Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Plenty to jump into and talk about regarding this football team. It's 0-2, looking for their first win coming up Saturday at noon as Chattanooga comes to town. The big news of the week to start the, the week and, and to start this podcast to talk about is, the, is Bryce Thompson's um, reemergence on the practice field. Jeremy Pruitt issuing a statement that uh, a plan was in place that would help Bryce Thompson, he believes, and Bryce Thompson's been back allowed on the practice field, um, not going to play at, at this point this week. We saw him on the practice field, guys running, you know, second or third team, bottom, back of the line type deal. Uh, but how important is it for Tennessee to get Bryce Thompson on the practice field? Even though we don't know when he's going to play, how big of a deal is it to get him back out there? I think it's the first step, you know, towards, you know, him kind of emerging back, you know, as a factor on the football team. You didn't, at least I didn't think he was just going to go off and then boom, he's in the lineup. I thought there was going to be this kind of natural, you know, kind of getting into the pool at the steps and wading into the water type thing. And to me, this is kind of exactly going how I thought. Well, and Jesse, I mean, he can't, I don't think there's any way you can play him until the court situation is remedied. And we know he doesn't go to court until after the, the Florida game on that Tuesday, the 23rd. So, uh, it's hard to see. You don't want, you don't want as an 0-2 football team to be the narrative that you'd let this guy back on the field this week to play when he has a domestic assault, charge albeit verbal, but a, but, a, but a charge still hanging out there that's not been done. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like uh, he has done what the football staff and the university maybe has asked him to do, which allowed him, I guess, the, the, the quote-unquote step that Austin's talking about is, all right, you can, be, you can participate in team activities again. Uh, and that and that means you're you're back in the weight room, back on the practice field, and so the next hurdle he has to clear is is the actual, um, you know, court date and and what comes out of that, and then you have the bye week, and, and you know we'll see. It certainly seems like the earliest he's going to be back on the field if he does return to the field is the Georgia game. Because I mean, in this situation, the way I look at it is it's not just the athletic side; it's the university too. To me, the first kind of small step was him being able to go back to class. He's been going to class. Now the first step in the athletic side is him coming back to practice. So, um, you But know. he's not coming back to practice without approval from the university Correct. Side. It's all been on the university side from the time from the time the arrest was no, made. No, no, I it understand. Was at, it was I'm out of Jeremy Pruitt's hands. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, you got kind of – while it is – the athletics is under the umbrella of the university, my thought, though, is if he was going to class – that's why I've always kind of felt like at some point he was going to end up back on the football oh, sure, team sure. because he was going to class. Right, but my point, yes, I see what you're saying. I mean, the, the university deemed him not a threat to, to, the, to the campus, which is why they let him go to class. Yeah. And he didn't have to go with a police escort and those types of things. They, they let him go be a regular student. Um, and now, you know, as Jeremy Pruitt, Rob said in his statement, that plan in place that he believes – will help Bryce Thompson. And this is always that, that that balance that a head coach has on do you think you can help the person and how much help do they need or when do they become to the point that, that that you can't help them. And I think that's always a balance. That's one of the things where Philip Fulmer took a lot of criticism as a head coach because he gave guys too many chances sometimes. But there's also a lot of guys that he, because he gave them extra chances, it paid off for them as citizens later on. I think it's always an interesting balance a coach has to strike, not just based on his talent level, but also where's he going to be if he doesn't have football in his life? You know, can you 
can you reform him, so to speak, or is he kind of a lost cause? I mean, I don't think that we're anywhere close to saying he's a lost cause. I mean, I mean, he didn't. He, from what, all that we know, I mean, he didn't lay hands on anybody. There was no physical violence, which I think is a very big deal when you're evaluating this, this situation, especially when there's a woman involved. So, I mean, I, there's going to in this day and age, there's going to be some you know media flack for for letting the kid back. But I, I, I mean, I, I think it's the right thing to do. Football side. So, I mean, if this kid was a you know honor student on a, on a in the chemistry department on an academic scholarship, would he have been kicked out of school and had his scholarship revoked over this episode? I mean, over I breaking a gate and threatening? I don't think so. I mean, but I mean, we all understand the microscope that comes with being a scholarship athlete here. But I, I mean, I don't think we're, and I, I don't, and I, I, I'm not saying Philip was right or wrong in, in some of these things. But think about some of the things that have happened over the years. I mean, Robert Ayers, I mean, just flat out knocking some guy out, um, you know, staying on the team. I mean, we. Tony McDaniel. Well, now he did get that did result in him getting yeah he got he got dismissed uh, for sure. So there's there's always you know there's but, always but, those lines but that the, the big the, the big thing to me is no physical violence. Right. And I, I think that that kicks it into a whole other category. You know, if you, if you slap a woman, I, I've thought for a while, and you know that the the way we the, kind of the way we were trending was he was going to miss through Florida, which gets you the first three home games and the first SEC game. That's basically the first month of the season. You have the bye week that he kind of reacclimates. He actually is back out to practice much sooner than I thought he would be. Um, but I thought the acclimation period would be the kind of that bye week going into Georgia. I thought if he, I thought if the court, which would be post court date. Well, but I thought if the first court date hadn't got moved, then there would be a chance that he could be back out on the field and and, and get an acclimation against Chattanooga and get ready to play in Gainesville. I, I agree with that. Is where I thought I, they were going until the court yeah, until the court date got when that back. when that when that September seventh became September twenty third. The it, it certainly seemed like the calculus changed a little bit because yeah. it the trajectory has been on court date and then we'll see what happens. Right. And th- there was a thought process early on that the court thing would be settled on that first court date. It wouldn't be carried over to a later date. So th- that, that's we'll see how this thing unfolds over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks um, with, with him on the practice field and, and how quickly he's allowed back to play if he's allowed back to play when, when all that takes place. So he's not going to play on Saturday. The next question becomes Daniel Petuli. What is you want to get Daniel Petuli some reps because you don't want his first reps to be against Florida. You desperately need him on the field against Florida. He's not a hundred percent. I think we can all say that and watch him on the practice field. So if you're Derek Hansley and Jeremy Pruitt, what's your management for Daniel Petuli this weekend? I don't know. I mean, it's tough because I mean they were doing some of the cut block stuff on Tuesday and he looked. Uh, he really kind of lingered getting off the ground. Um, then on Wednesday when we were out there, he did not do much at all. Started the actually started the practice on the stationary bike and then just kind of shadowed um, the rest of the guys when they went through some of the actual scheme stuff. The fact that Chattanooga may run some option, um, yeah, I, I just I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, I think that, that you know, in a, in a perfect world, you'd like to get him some reps before Florida, but I wonder, you know, he might, maybe he plays a series or two, maybe. You know, I, it was interesting that on, that on Wednesday, you know, Jeremy Banks only played two snaps against BYU, yet he was out there running with the first team with Henry, you know, Toa Toa. And, you know, Pruitt's made it no secret that they want to kind of accelerate his development, and yet he didn't play much a week ago. 
a game like Chattanooga is a good opportunity for him and uh, Henry T to, to run a lot together. Well, and so maybe you you just set Daniel Petuli for another week and, and hope that the knee gets better because maybe it didn't respond exactly the way you wanted it to this week. You know, the feeling was, I mean, when this when this procedure happened, you know. Ten days. Yeah, Jeremy Pruitt. Right. He didn't like rule he it out def- for Georgia State. Game. Right, but he would definitely be back for BYU, and he doesn't look close to being back no, right now, I mean, Rob. I mean, always from the movement the, standpoint. Yeah, we just saw him on on the stationary bike and wearing a very bulky brace, on, you know, an offensive lineman type brace on on Wednesday. And you know, we I, I haven't been. We've all been around Daniel Batulli. I mean, if that kid can play, he's going to play. So the fact that he's you know, having you know struggled to get back to even where he can practice tells me that you know, there's an issue with the recovery. Yeah, I mean, it's it's taken longer than we thought. So maybe you don't play him at all. Maybe you just don't take a chance with him. If that's the case. Then is this the Jeremy Banks experience? Is that is that what you treat? I mean, no offense to Will Ignat, but is this the let's let's rep Jeremy Banks as many reps as we can possibly rep? But because you know we we feel like we need help at the inside linebacker besides Henry T, we don't have a whole lot going on. Get Batuli back at some point. He's it's him and Henry, but then who's your third guy? Yeah, trying well, to make Banks your third guy. Well, Shannon Reed didn't play last week. No, and, may, and maybe you would like to have four. Maybe the thing is, well, I'm sure got, you, you would. Know, right, like to have four. So <laughs> like to have six. Well, but I mean, they play. They effectively only played two. So uh, maybe this is Banks's, you know, opportunity to kind of get the lion's share of reps. You kind of know what you have in Will Ignat. Maybe you use this as more of a management uh, game for him because he's. I I'm of the opinion that. This staff to date has not proven that whether they, you know, maybe poo-poo guys or not, they'll, they're going to still play some of these veterans. And I think Ignat is in that camp that until I see it, they're going to keep running him out there. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I was going to say, I, I think Jesse nailed it, man. You know what you've got with Will Ignat. You're playing, you know, you're playing Chattanooga. Find out what, start to find out what you have in Jeremy Banks. Which, you know, I know we're not talking about offense yet, but which speaks to the same thing on the offensive line. Oh, it's Ryan this, like, Johnson K- and these this guys. Is, but this is the game where, like, you know what you have in Ryan Johnson, so you you need to get K-Ron Calvert some action. You need to get Jerome Carvin some action and some run. I, I agree. Mean, yeah, I mean, it's well, just the flip it. I mean, look, Chattanooga's not as good as Georgia State, but that was the plan for Georgia State, and it didn't work very well. I mean, yes, you, you can't, you can't go plans, back. I understand. You can't go back in this world of playing ten guys and rotating every other series or every series on the offensive line. When you get the game in hand, absolutely go that direction. But this idea of hey, we're just going to randomly play guys whatever snaps we want to when we want to, probably not the best idea for this football team right now. Agreed, agreed, agreed on 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 all on all counts there. But I do. This is an FCS team. I mean, they beat you know ETSU fifty nine to three or whatever. I mean, they should still right e- even with last year's struggles. You know, they they, they still put handedly uh, beat an FCS team. So they, they, the same thing should happen Saturday, which in the third and early fourth quarter, ideally, it presents itself the opportunities for some young guys on offense uh, to really get some burn. Well, and some you know we've got to continue to get some. Look, I, I think you got to get a guy like Trayvon Flowers right. You got to try to get him right in this yeah, game. Yeah, because he's been a bit of a funk. You're going to need him to help you at some point, and he was not very good against Georgia State and didn't play hardly any against BYU. You got to get him right moving forward because Theo Jackson did a nice job against BYU. I think right now he's your second best safety. Nigel's not setting the world on fire back there either. So yeah, I'd say Theo's their best safety right now. So I mean, I think you got to get you got to try to get Trayvon Flowers out of his funk and get him going in the right direction as well. Uh, so it's not just the first-year freshman that you've got to try to get 
moving in the right direction. Right. There's some there's some veteran guys, you know, who at some point you're probably going to need them somewhere along the way. Aubrey know. Solomon. Aubrey Solomon. DeAndre Johnson, maybe. Yeah, okay? I mean, he played because, two snaps on Saturday. Because, you, I mean, are you going to ride your whole year playing Daryl Taylor and Crouch and Roman Harrison in straight third down rush situations only? I mean, at some point you're probably going to need Well, Bennett a played a lot. I mean, because Von Bennett has had a... The, the role he's emerged in on Bennett, this team Bennett, is one of the biggest surprises. Yeah, I mean, Bennett's averaging ball. over 30 snaps a game. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's playing a lot. I would see, I, I think Roman's going to be a guy that continues to kind of chip away at some snaps. They clearly like Crouch in multiple of those rabbits and dime packages. Does his kind of role expand a little bit? Um, we haven't seen it yet, but again, this is a game that, that perhaps, uh, that, that he gets to try some new things. It's just kind of a standard, you know, jack. Linebacker opposite of DT, um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of kind of interesting storylines defensively with this. All right, game. let me ask you. To, let me ask this question then. This game is the biggest for whom on offense and on defense. It's, it's a big week. It's a big weekend for who? Man, I mean, I don't. I mean, you hate to say this about your fourth year junior quarterback, but I think Jared Guarantano needs to play well. I mean, for his <laughs> own sake, for to get some confidence, he needs to have a clean football game where he throws. Three touchdowns minimum. He needs to have a Derek Carr first half, like he had Monday night. Oh, with one incompletion, two incompletions, sixteen of eighteen. I mean, and not, not like force the ball into you know, not, not have two or three throws where you're like, man, what was yeah, sixteen of eighteen there? without dinking and dunk? All right, let me. Well, then let's just go straight into Jared. Okay, let's 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 do a deep dive into Jared here, and not worry about who you know what guy on defense necessarily has to have a a big game here. Jesse, you had the piece on Wednesday um, regarding Jared and kind of what's wrong with Jared. Give, give what's the synopsis on, on Jared? What's wrong? How do they fix it? Well, they're they're the ones that are getting paid millions to fix it, so that they're, they're going to have to answer. They're that. not they're not on the podcast. No, so I'm going to ask you guys. Yeah, how but do you fix the, the straightforward <laughs> answer is that he's regressed in, in in a what he's been best at all along, which is throwing off play action, and b he's been particularly bad throwing in in the middle of the field this year and. Look, I, I mean, I wrote it. Jarrett's always had some deficiencies. He's never been a great guy at anticipating throws. His footwork comes and goes. Um, but he's tough. And prior to this season and last year's game against Vanderbilt, he was mostly accurate. So he was accurate, tough, and risk averse. He wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna put your, your defense more, more in more bad More of a manager. Si- more of a manager. Wasn't gonna put your defense in bad situations. Would take a sack that you'd r- probably rather him not, not take. take. But he wasn't going to turn the football over. This year, he's turning the football over. Already has two interceptions, had three all, all of a year ago. Arguably could have had four or five, you know, if BYU catches a pass and if the, you know, pass interference penalty against Georgia State didn't get overturned. Um, and then inexplicably, which again, this is what Cheney's going to have to figure out, why he's been so bad, uh, off play action throws. Those are throws that it's easier for the offensive line protection wise. It's throws that Ideally, for a guy that, you know, anticipation is not his best strong suit, makes the windows very clear and defined. Um, and he's just been wildly inaccurate on play action. I mean, we had it in, I mean, you know, he hit Jawan on a perfect play that accounted for, you know, basically half of his play action yardage on Saturday against BYU and missed the same exact throw for really no reason. I mean, he never even looked at Jawan, even though it was the exact same coverage, did not recognize it. Tennessee ran effectively the same play of four verts against a cover three, and they, 
that missed touchdown cost ten, you know ultimately you go back to those points that was that, that was the difference in the game I mean a year ago he was only behind Fromm and Tua as a play action passer in terms of returning quarterbacks coming into this season those are two guys you know that were on all the Heisman lists that was why there was so much optimism about JG and this year he's completing like 50% of his passes on play action it, it's it's rather inexplicable and the and the drop is jarring Compared to yards attempt a year ago, 9.5 on play action pass. I mean, that's really good. Down to six this season. I mean, it's just. And the bigger worry is that, like, you've not seen an SEC defense yet. Yes. I mean, that, that's coming against Georgia State and BYU. And, and they clearly felt like going into the BYU game, the, the thing to get him most comfortable was play action. They ran more play action against BYU than they did Georgia State, if, if right. I'm not mistaken. Right, uh, 100%. They ran more play action, I think, Saturday than they had. Even it, it, Tyson Helton actually liked a lot of play action, the Auburn game notwithstanding. And it was around 30-some-odd percent, I think, a year ago off the top of my head. They Cheney called 55% play action on Saturday. And the irony is Tennessee was really good running the football. I right. mean, those play action things, they had some bite in them. Yeah, and the shots were there. I mean, he missed two of them. He missed Palmer on a touchdown. He misses Jennings. I mean, and and that's just what, again, that's just what's kind of mind-boggling as to why, you know, Jarrett hasn't been successful on such throws that, again, as a standard drop-back passer, that's never been his strength. This has been his strength because of his arm strength and Ability to be accurate, neither of which have kind of showed up thus far. All right, so if you're Jim Cheney, how do you fix it? What do you do from a, from a play call? I mean, do you take the middle of the field away and work the work outside the hash marks and try to work that more? Do you roll him? I would. Do, do, do you limit reads? I mean, what do you check with me at the line of scrimmage so you dictate the cover? You tell him what coverage is coming. I would what probably, do, you do. I would. I mean, I don't know what Rob thinks, but I would do more check with me. That was going to be my answer. And and. And I would say, I, I don't think you can say, Jarrett, you can't throw to the middle of the field. A year ago, he was completing 70, almost 74, 5% of his passes to the middle of the field. This year, it's down to like 60. If DWA is the playmaker, they hope him to be. And Jawan is the guy that has kind of emerged as his favorite target. He's just got to be better throwing him, because that's where those two guys are going to do the most damage. And, and Jawan especially can just, I mean, most slot defensive backs you're not I mean most cornerbacks for that part but especially little slot guys I mean he's going to be able to beast most of those exactly but I do think that you know that they need to find a way to get Callaway the ball more involved down the field and that is maybe some throws outside the hashes that he can kind of use his uh, jumping and, and kind of muscle you know ability especially down in the red zone Jarrett is not seeing the field well at all down in the red zone it's not the greatest play in the NFL, but in college the fade works a lot. Well, bring it, back the fade. And, it, and it, it, I mean, it's hard to take the fade away coverage-wise when when you're inside the ten yard line. I mean, you're not playing, you're not going to play bracketed coverage inside the ten. So I, I'm surprised, Austin. After that, I, I would contend that's one of Jared's five best throws this season was the fade to Callaway against Georgia State for the first touchdown. But and that's yet they his, haven't and, gone back to it. And, and that's Callaway's strength. You know, he's got strong hands. He high points the ball. He, he, and he's he, six he know, three. And he knows how to use his body. He and Juwan both know how to box out, so to speak, as well as anybody. I mean, they just know how to use their body. Anquan Bolton was always great at that, and and, and just go up and, and and snag the ball out of, out of the air. So you know, I, I agree. I think you've got to find ways to get Callaway more involved. I think JG just has such a comfort level with Callaway, and and you know, I'm not saying that Jared and and Juwan have friction, but those two. Dating back to the Quentin Dormady days, we're never just like 
but super buddies. And so my point is, is sometimes I feel like Jarrett, especially these last two games, has been looking at Jawan a, a lot more than he has in years past. And so this neglecting Callaway, who he's always kind of had this good rapport with. Maybe that's just me. That's just kind of the, the the feel I've gotten the last two games. When you look at a couple of the, I mean, the targeted throw where he throws the pick to start the second half, that was at Jawan. Um, you know, it, it's I don't know. It just seems it seems odd. Certainly seems like he's just not seeing the football field very well. How much of this is when you when Jeremy Pruitt's made it clear they don't have a backup quarterback. Nobody's pushing Jerry Garantano. I mean, for everybody who wants a quarterback change, that ain't happening because nobody is pushing behind him. But based on Jeremy Pruitt's comments at the quarterback that was club, the, it was the, I was just making sure that the, the pick was the DWA. Oh, it was the DWA. It was the DWA. Okay, so you, the. But but at the quarterback club, he makes it clear he doesn't have a backup. Nobody's pushing Jared. There's no change coming. Same thing with the media. So how much of this is you just got to let him? You just got to let him play through it. Well, you absolutely have to ride it out. I mean, they don't. I don't. You know, I know the the, the fans are pining to see Maurer, uh, but that that ain't gonna work. That that's just you know it's number two is gonna be is gonna be QB one. He's just they're gonna have to they're gonna have to take the lumps and they're gonna have to find a way. I mean, I thought Callaway's comments were kind of vague, but at least interesting, where he kind of, you know, intimated that, I mean, clearly there is like a loss of confidence, not only with maybe the offense as a whole, but Jared in particular, and they got to kind of bring him out of that, you know, AP used the word funk, I think that's a good phrase, you know. Fog. They got to get him out of that, and they got to get him out of it quickly, which is why, you know, Robin, you know, AP saying he needs a couple touchdowns this weekend, you know, I mean, even if it is beating up on a patsy, they need to just feel a little bit good before they go face... Florida, which could be down one of their top cornerbacks, we'll see. But it's an SEC defense that's going to have a whole bunch of pass rushers bearing down on him, you know, right away. I start to say, I mean, that he's going to face a lot of pressure. I mean, his timing's going to have to be better. His, you know, he's going to have to play at a faster pace against Florida than he has any any game into this point. Let's talk about the offensive line. I don't want I don't want to knock on him, but also don't want to. I'm not anointing them in anything after 200 yards over BYU because I think BYU's going to. Are you give saying up. they don't have Larry Allen out there? I, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying Larry Allen, Larry Allen's not out there, and, and some other All Pro guys are not out there. Because BYU's going to give up a ton of rushing yards all year long. That's that's kind of who yeah, they are. They, they did. The, I mean, not, and I'm sure you know Utah's better than Tennessee, but they were coming off a game where they gave up 260 plus. Right. So that's going to happen. But th- th- this this offensive line did take some steps, created a pocket for them, seemed to be. A little bit better. What's the next step for this line? What what's what can you learn out of this line against Chattanooga, who probably doesn't? Although they've got several guys in the NFL who played on defense, but they probably don't have defense NFL defensive linemen that you're going to play on Saturday. So, what can you glean from Saturday for this offensive line? What should be their goal to accomplish? I, I would play. I would play two different combinations: your main four and and play Ryan Johnson and and Locklear and figure out who your right guard is for Florida. Now maybe Calbert and Carvin wow you in the fourth quarter that they something that you get a look there and practice next week. But my goal was is that if you feel confident as Jameer at left tackle, Trey at left guard, Kennedy and Tatum, find out who your right you guard better, is. You better know who your right guard is by the half Saturday yeah. afternoon for for SEC. That's play. my opinion. That's my opinion. Anybody disagree well, with that or everybody on board with that? I agree with that. I, more so in a broad sense, I think it's to be able to, you know establish and get a third down and one get key short yardage situation something they, they struggled at times to do Saturday and they've struggled to do for several years you know but but again I, I look at this offensive line 
you know, that they Saturday was to me a, a big step in my mind. I understand full gold, but the last few years they couldn't run for 200 yards against anybody. Yeah. I, so I mean, like that's where like I feel like you know you, I don't want to diminish what they've done because I think it's pretty drastic compared to what they've done where they've been in the years past. You're right. They're not going to be able to run off the edge against Florida and Georgia, Mississippi State. These teams that have really good defensive linemen and good speed off the edge. But again, a couple of years ago they were giving up sacks to Chattanooga. Right in there, the kid from Bearden rolls in here, and then didn't he get two? I mean, like they've done a de- good job of having a decent pocket. They've been able to run the ball through two games because I mean, really, I go back to that first game, ninety-five in the first half, and then they just totally abandoned it. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, they couldn't really run the ball against Georgia State, and I mean, they, they yeah, I mean, I, I mean, not, they, they weren't great against Georgia State. Run the ball. Part of that too, though, is just the bet. Chandler has taken his game to another level because Eric Gray's pushing him. Mm-hmm. So they have two. Be- they have the running backs, are- which goes back to what Pruitt said all along. Yeah, is we don't have enough quality competition. Right, and so the board. and so I mean, they did block better on Saturday, but they also had 150 yards after contact because now they have two running backs that are pretty good. Right, who are playing? Who are playing at, at playing at a level that yeah. you know they haven't played at because, as you mentioned, there, there's some competition there, but for sure. Uh, they also got speed to get to the corner where in years past. They haven't had the speed to get to the corner at that position because, I mean, Ty Chandler wasn't dominating a bunch of carries a year ago. They trying to figure out how to use him last year. They haven't had. And he wasn't speed as guys. tough a year ago. I mean, no, he, he wasn't, wasn't breaking. I mean, he yeah, he was just he, you know he 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 wasn't breaking as many tackles. And you know, honestly, if if one thing you watch the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, part of the reason they're running backs now they're again I know they're playing behind much better offensive lines. But part of the reason they're running backs are and a more so feared so, passing game. But what? Uh, but what I was going to say is part of the reason their running backs are so successful. Etienne's, Swift, these guys, those guys. They, you don't play at those schools at receiver unless you just block the hell out of people on the edge. And you watch those games, and they're pile driving people on the edge. And that's something that that's a, that's a mentality that Pruitt and T. Martin are trying to instill with this group. Some of Juwan's know, always had. Well, so, but but Juwan's, but he does. He's been inconsistent to start this season too. I mean, it, they, they have missed some. Pruitt said it himself on Sat or on Monday. They are they've missed some perimeter blocks that a nine yard gain could have been a thirty yard gain or a twenty yard gain could have been a home run. Yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. They've got to you know they've got to block it better there, particularly moving forward against against some defensive backs who are dudes that are going to come at you, safeties who are going to come downhill at you as, as well. So, the takeaway from the offensive line is it was improved a week ago, and and find your five this week. Yeah, just just continue to take baby steps and find your five. Okay, I'm, I'm, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I think that you know part of your short yardage woes is that you haven't you haven't found your five because I think right guard's been a struggle in short yardage, which is why the second fourth and one. You ran wide. You tried to run it in around because the first fourth and one, you got manhandled up front. You know, um, but you know, at, at right guard is, is where you got beat. Um, so we'll we'll see what they can develop and and can grow out of that moving forward in a weekend where Tennessee should take care of business um, and, and get their first win of the year. And then we'll see what happens moving into the month of, of October um, with the open date and all the Florida and then the open date and all those things. Um, let's talk quickly about recruiting. Not, noon start. Not expected to have anybody much in the house this weekend. Yeah, um, a lot of lot of crowd. Light crowd. They lost. They lost. Lovey, Lovey, Lovey. this weekend. Lovey Jenkins. Uh, which I mean, I, 
I won't say Tennessee cut Lovey Jenkins. I don't think that's accurate. But I do think that they've not been as diligent on the contact with Lovey. So I think Lovey probably felt like Satterfield's giving him a little bit more love. Yeah. So what's the story with with Mordecai McDaniel? He's is he just having some fun on Twitter with with some of the Florida stuff he's retweeted or favored from months ago, and then he sends out you know congratulations to Lovey for you know making a different college choice that. Those things get Tennessee fans kind of worked up. Where's things with Mordecai? I think everything's same status quo. I mean, like I've talked with him. I mean, he he said he was just having some fun. I mean, you can say, well, it's easy for him to say, but I mean, like you know, I haven't talked to you know a couple other people. I, I think that he's fine. The the thing about Loveman, all those kids congratulate her. I mean, I'm right. I'm not seeing one that decommitted yet. That the the guys that were committed in that same class didn't say. You know, good on you, bro. You know, go well, get them. Nobody's going to wish anybody bad luck on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, I just think all those kids—they're all going through the same type of thing as far as like, you know, the, the phone calls and, and the process and all that. So I think they understand everything involved. So I mean, I think they're very supportive of one another, whether they end up here or not. Jeremy Pruitt has told recruits when they've committed, kind of where they are in the process, what you know, the rebuild that they're in. His, but, but his speech to them in the rebuild wasn't anything about losing to Georgia State and BYU. It was, it was getting to a bowl game and building forward. With, with with phone calls being made now, coaches going out and evaluating and everything else, what's Jeremy Pruitt's and his staff's message to the committed guys right now? Other, I mean, I get it. Stay true to us. We're going to be okay. Stay true to us. Everything's fine. How do you shift your message? What do you shift your message when – you were selling one thing, and it's not gonna. It's not as easy to sell what you were selling. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some variation of see. This is why we need you so bad. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't lying. You can come in here. I mean, you see Eric Eric Gray, you see Kavaris Krause, you see Warren Burrell. You can come in here and play tomorrow. That's it is. But is the thought of that not not what Rob said? My question is my question overblown. Is it just about a relationship, and not as much about? The promise, or hey, we're going to be this, or we're going to be that. It's much more about, you know, the, the relationship that you have with them, and that's how you weather the storm. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I, I do think that's the difference for most kids because kids are going to make an individual decision what's best for them. You know, that, and that, that could be opportunity, that could be uh, a coach, that you know. So the guys that they have committed, I mean, they're certainly. I think Rob's point is is very valid that you know Pruitt has publicly pine that you know we need better players and we need more guys and so that's what they're absolutely selling uh to not only the guys they have committed but the guys that are uncommitted it, the question moving forward i think is less about what happens with the guys currently in the class because the majority of them i think right now are solid um but doesn't that get harder in october if it doesn't go well for well, the solid guys. Well, I mean, you look if if you really went down like line by line, you know, may, you know, we'll see about a guy maybe Mordecai, you know, because he does play at a winning high school program. He's gonna have there's plenty of guys that are looking at Jarrett and some of his other teammates. Um, but I mean, like the in-state guys, I don't they're not going anywhere. They're, I mean, I, I mean I, you I know agree. what I'm saying? I mean, like some of the, there, there, you could there's a bunch of guys that I think that you know. It, Perhaps Jimmy Callaway is a guy, that, but like Tennessee was the one that took the first chance on Jimmy Callaway, and there's kind of that you talk about that relationship and that loyalty factor there. Darren Williamson, kind of the same thing. You know, Tennessee was the one that made the first move there. Um, 
So I think there's less concern there. You know, and, and the other thing about Williamson is like it's not like you know Jimmy Callaway. I think has probably picked up a few offers. Williamson committed, and it's not like they're just rolling in for him. I mean, like it's. I mean, to me, he's still very much you know. Now maybe that you get three or four games on tape of your senior year, and all of a sudden here they come calling, kind of like Chris Russell did a year ago. But you know, to this point, it's not like he's just got like a plethora of options. So, yeah. so the question becomes, how did you, can you finish? Yeah, can you finish, and how, and how, and what are your options depending on what happens over the next you know six weeks? I mean, AP and I have said this off the pod, but you know they need some of these in-state guys that that keep kind of teasing that they're going to pull the trigger whenever it would behoove Tennessee if some of those guys went ahead and jumped in the boat. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, like in, you know Tyler Barron waiting on his birthday. I mean. You know, I, I agree. I mean, I, he, Jay Hardy, get a couple of those official visits under your belt and see if you can somehow, you know, get him to, to pull the I'll trigger also, I'll also be curious if Tennessee, because of, you know, their, with this last lackluster start, perhaps you're not, you know, uh, in position or as well positioned for some of these five stars we since spent so much time about during the summer. AP, do they circle back on a round, like, uh, 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 back around on a guy like Jacoby Cowan? You know, the, like he's the kind of guy that I'd be interested if Tennessee, you know, maybe well, gets back well, involved because he's a guy that he doesn't have a ton of options right now. You know, he'd like Georgia and Ohio State, but but will they take? But him? will they take him? Right. So you know, and it's just, he's just kind of a, the type of name right. that would well, be interesting to watch and, in October. And, and, and for both, and for both school and prospect, you know, there I, could be a marriage there. When I used this line the other day for something else, I mean. The earth get the earth's getting bigger in the window. I mean, the time's running out here. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're you're you get I mean, if you're sitting there as a prospect and you've been waiting on a school and it's October and that school's not ready, you're starting to see signing days only you know, weeks and days away, not months away, like like it was. So that, that well, changes. Well, I mean there. Jesse's huge word is always optics. And when you start at 0 and 2, even if you can turn this thing and get it flipped around, maybe you say you get to five wins. Which at this point, I think, you know, you run with that, that, that 0 and 2 with the two losses you have. Um, let's say you get to five wins, but you can somehow land Jacoby Cowan, who's a top 250 player, the optics of a four star, you know, the, the other finalists, whether they take him or not. I mean, it's still, he, when he rolls across the bottom, the bottom line on ESPN, it's going to say, Jacoby Cowan picks Tennessee over. Georgia and Ohio State, because I mean that's what they're going to do. That's what these kids do. They're going to put those teams in there. So I mean I think the optics of some of those kids, it's like Jameer Gibbs. You know we watched him work out as a, a you know over here as a defensive back. Kid just keeps throwing up huge numbers, huge numbers. And I mean like if you like him at all, like can you really afford to kind of slow play that one? Because I mean you know he he's got you know he's going to get more and more traction. He got Ohio State here recently as an offer. I mean. And again, where he's at in Dalton, you may have waited too. You may have waited too late on that. You're one. right, you but I mean, the point is, is like he's in Dalton, so it's not too far away, right? You know, and, and Georgia does not want him, so thus you know, you're competing against. Maybe let's say Ohio State decided they did want him. That's a school further away. Yeah, and then Georgia the cold, Tech, the and then Georgia Tech is, yeah. you know. Well, the bottom line is whether they have three stars, five stars, four stars, and I know that's part of it with the optics. And if you get four stars, it might help you get somebody else. This program's got to go sign some players. That can beat, help you try to beat the Floridas, South Carolinas, get towards Georgia, get towards Alabama. But it's probably not going to be players that you beat Alabama and Georgia out for straight up. Right. And, and Cle- it'll Clemson straight up head on. Right. But, but I will say that it, it would behoove, and that's why it would behoove the staff and this program, I think, to go ahead and get some guys 
Because the Amari Thomases and the Darnell Washingtons and all those guys, they're not doing anything until January. Now, some of them may sign in December quietly, but they're not going to announce anything until January. So whatever happens with Tennessee's season is going to be done. Right. But the Lenneth Whiteheads, the Bryson Eason's, yep. th- these guys that currently, current as of you know September 11th or 12th or whatever this is, they you know they, they want to make a decision in the fall, and so those are the guys that I think Tennessee really needs to get on board sooner rather than later. Lots of interesting things in recruiting. Tennessee will have obviously a bunch of prospects in town for the Georgia game. That's kind of the next big thing in recruiting. We'll continue to talk about recruiting. Talks about some basketball recruiting coming up uh, on our next podcast as, as well as that Georgia weekend shaping up to be a big weekend for Tennessee basketball. Last football question. We're out the door. Are you playing? Are you playing Crouch at running back in short yardage situations? Pruitt was asked about this on the teleconference. He didn't completely dismiss it. We don't. We haven't seen them work on it. Doesn't mean they haven't worked on it. Given where they're at, given the fact that he stood at a podium after the game and said, "Hey, we don't have a back who could do what the guy at BYU did to end the game." Is there a chance they roll out there with some jumbo deal? I would not be. If the way Aaron Beasley's played three positions three different weeks, it would not surprise me at all. They <laughs> just threw Crouch over there. Oh, just I to give, just to give him a couple. Yeah, of I, mean, I mean, go back to the recruiting process. Play linebacker, have a package on offense. If, if you do that, then you're fulfilling your promise. That you're, or, you're, or you're, no, I don't say promise because I don't know if that was promise, but that was talked about with him. You know, you, you go back. So I mean, yeah, I would. I mean, like, what does it hurt? I mean, like, to me, and plus, I mean, like, again, if you're trying to pitch to, to recruits like you were talking about, hey, look, I told him this. He's playing. He's playing a ton of snaps on at outside linebacker, and he scored a touchdown Saturday. Rob, they're one of five on fourth down conversions. No brainer. You got to do something different. Yeah. And, and I think it's more about the two guards in the center that I do the running backs. But are you yeah, saying I mean, are you saying getting the running back three yards deep and putting him down in the stance right behind right behind a crouching Jared Garantano is not not working? No, it does not appear to be. But I, I mean, I would definitely look at Crouch. And I mean, I don't think that. I mean, how much practice time is it? Are you looking at taking him from outside linebacker? You know, I, Ten I, minutes a day. Yeah, the goal line deal. You're not, you're not teaching deal. him, you know, pass protections and right. you know what, you know, read the coverage. If this guy comes, you go out in the flat. I mean, you're just like turn, get the ball, and, and push the pile. At this point, I, I'm for I'm for putting Karon Calvert back there and just telling him to push Jared as hard as he can push him with a ball snap and go with the old Reggie Bush push. Um, maybe that gets you a first down. Whatever it is, Tennessee's got to figure out a way to convert six inches on third and short or fourth and short, which they've not been able to do this year. I mean, your uh, quarterback weighs 230. Maybe, maybe just have him lean forward at some point. Somebody's got to push him from behind. It, it, it appears. But they've got to figure out a way to convert fourth down for sure, or short yardage for sure. That's going to do it for this edition of the BallQuest.com podcast. For Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Friday, everybody.